Live from Orlando, Florida, you're listening to the Orlando Magic HQ podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Join us every week for a unique fan perspective on all of the latest Magic news and updates. The show starts now. What's up, Magic fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Orlando Magic HQ podcast brought to you by Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We're your host, Al, myself, Anthony. Today is Friday, June 2nd, and we are one day post the first game of the NBA Finals. We are exactly 20 days away from the NBA draft. We're one day in of hurricane season. We already got a tropical depression, too, out there. Um, getting closer and closer to the state of Florida. So we're already in the in the deep end of, of really bad storm season for us here in Florida. And um, man, there's a lot to and not to be excited for coming up very, very shortly. And in today's episode, we are going to talk about um, some, I guess, unique news that they talk about. Paula Bancaro, who will serve as a media correspondent. We're going to share our thoughts on that. Um, they did release some of the preseason schedule, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about the NBA draft, man. It's right around the corner. But before we get into that, Al, how we feeling? How we doing? Denver Nuggets, Miami Heat. I just read recently, um, literally just now, I got a notification from it, that Drake is betting $1 million on Denver to win it all, and then another 250000 for the Nuggets to do it in five games. Is that a good bet or a bad bet? I mean, the first part is really good. The million dollars, I think, I, I agree with that. I think Denver's going to pull it off and, and win it all. But in five games, man, that's that's just playing with money. That I mean, dude, it's loaded. He's fine. He'll be fine no matter what. But that was my prediction. I predicted Denver in five. I don't know if I would bet $250,000 on that, though, or 100 bucks for that matter. You got that but kind yeah. of money, 250000 <laughs> It's like, it's nothing. Here you go. That's true. That, that's the thing. I mean... I, I do like the bet because I, I do think Denver does it in five games. I just wouldn't have bet that much money assuming that. But what about you? Would you have thrown that much money or any money at all? Saying Listen, if I, if I have Drake money, I wouldn't make that bet. That sounds like a safe bet. What's the worst that can happen? You just lose it, right? But then if the first one hits, you probably make it up. So what's a big deal? Yeah, man. The, the issue with Drake, man, is that he's he's known to like be like his bets are associated with the Drake curse, you know, it never works out in his favor. There's no way that he's won more than he lost. I need to Google that. See if that's that's a thing. Someone has to have some type of tracker on it. Start a website on that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, but I did see something else online recently. This was a conversation that I guess happened during one of the media broadcasts, and Damian Lillard shared a little light on it. And it was in regards to how Jeff Van Gundy would fix the NBA in regards to finding a way to make the NBA not last as long, not, not having the games last a long period of time. You know, on average, it's probably about, what, two, two and a half hours around there, and they're trying to find mm-hmm. ways to be able to cut that down. They've already made adjustments to some of the rules to make it a little easier um, to slim down the, the time span of the games. But um, what Jeff Van Gundy is kind of suggesting, man, I'm not I'm not a fan of. I don't, I don't, I don't understand exactly how this would make any sense but to kind of share light on exactly what he said uh jeff van gundy would eliminate free throws until the last four minutes and if you get fouled on a shooting foul you just get the points 
You don't go to the line and you don't go to the line for technical free throws. They're just points. Then he talks about how he would um, completely take away halftime and thinks halftime is, is a waste. And Damian Lillard responded saying, you know, I'm with him on the halftime. He doesn't mess with it at all. So halftime, in my opinion, is it's hard to get away from halftime just because it's kind of cemented in the DNA of the basketball game. If you play organized basketball, there's a halftime. It's what it is. And halftime is really meant for two purposes. One is meant for the teams to kind of be able to recalibrate a little bit, to be able to change game plans, to have a little bit longer than just a standard timeout, and then allows the team to come back out, kind of warm up, warm up a little bit, and then you start the second half. The other part is for the people watching the damn game. Got to use the bathroom, want to go get food, want to kind of relax a little bit, go get a drink. It gives you ample time to be able to do so. So if you cancel that out completely, in my opinion, you're messing up the momentum of the game, and then you're also messing it up for fans that don't want to miss any of the game. Now there's not really a chance for them to kind of step away for a moment. But my question to you is, one, do you agree with just canceling out free throws for until the last four minutes? Um, and don't agree is something you would do to help with the time frame of the game to speed it up a little bit. I mean, so I will tell you the whole free throw thing I'm completely against. I mean, you got players like Giannis who, who, who would shoot 50%, 60% from the free throw line. So that automatically is a disadvantage. This dude is averaging 30, 12 rebounds, five assists. Imagine if every time he gets fouled, it's automatic two points. Or every time he gets an N1, automatically he gets the free throw. It's going to average 45 points a game. Like that's just not going to be a, a good solution to me. Easy. Um, I guess you could say that that goes both ways because that would also benefit in this case the magic. Let's say when we when we get our players to the free throw line, but not a solution in my mind. I, I think that's taking it too far. The halftime break, though, I, I do think maybe not eliminating it, but making it shorter, maybe eight minutes, so cutting it in half, maybe a solution. Um, but to your point, I go to games all the time. It, that's a time where you kind of say, "All right, cool. Let me go grab a bite. Let me go grab a drink. Let me just stretch my legs for a little bit." So. It's it's part of the, the culture of the NBA. That that halftime break, it's something that you're just getting used to as a fan. Or even if you're watching at home, that's your time to go and check on the kids, whatever it may be. So if you ask me, I can see why he's thinking this way. MLB has done a great job cutting the game down significantly since they introduced the timer for the batters and the pitchers and all that good stuff. But in basketball, I think they can tweak some things. But the whole free throw thing, it's it's not going to be a solution in my opinion. That That's just not the way they should do it. Are there any ideas, though, on your side that, that may help? Is there anything else that you may do to change the game outside of what Jeff said? No, just leave the game alone. Like, in my opinion, True. stop stop tinkering, stop messing with it. Like, the play, the playing tournament was an awesome addition. Kudos to you guys. That was amazing. I love that aspect of, you know, the game. This whole tournament that they're doing midseason where it really doesn't True. benefit anyone at all, like, I am not a fan of that, period. So giving free points out just for getting fouled, like you're, you're James Harden of the world. Paulo Bancaro is going to average 45 easy as much yep. as he gets to the free throw line. Um, why, why even practice free throw shots? Like, the, if it's not going to be that much of an emphasis in the game, then, like, there to me, it, it takes away such an important aspect. Now you're messing around with, you know, NBA records and statistics and, 
and a whole bunch of you know can of worms that you're kind of opening by by eliminating it. So I'm not a fan of that at all. Leave it the way it is. Is the game a little bit long? Like, should it take two and a half hours? Probably not, but it's not that bad. Like, where we've gotten to a point that we've been watching basketball for a really long time. We're used to this time span. We're used to this time frame. It's okay. And I, a part of me feels like they're trying to market it, you know, more for the the casual watcher. And I think that mm-hmm. that's really the the premise of it. They're the casual watcher. They're trying to get, you know, more of um a viewership and and you know people that don't watch as long. And it, but here's the thing, right? The casual watcher won't watch the first quarter or the second quarter. They'll just watch the second half. So sure. for for the casual watcher, the game's already short because <laughs> they're not watching the whole damn game. Um, don't mess with it. Leave as is. The NBA has done a good job with what they've been able to control thus far, but canceling out halftime and canceling out, you know, free throws. It, it doesn't. It doesn't make sense in my mind. I'll tell you one that I would do, and, and it is to do with uh, challenges and like, the replays and all these things that the refs are doing when when a play is challenged. It takes way too long, if you ask me. Um, whoever's at the NBA Replay Center in New Jersey, wherever they're located these days, dude, we have it on TV within seconds. We can watch a replay on ESPN or Valley Sports, whatever it may be, and we know the ball went out of France. The ball went out of this guy. Oh, hey, did he step out of bounds? Yes or no? Within seconds. And these guys take five minutes of reviewing that play. So if you ask me, that's any solution. Don't even it go is, to the monitor anymore. It's Just, entertainment. It is. Build, build build the the you know the suspense. And now exactly. it's going to get even worse because for the summer league, they're now testing uh, for you to get rewarded with another challenge if your first challenge becomes successful. Which that's a great thing because I, I completely disagree. I disagree completely when you get it right and you're like, okay, you penalize, you lose your challenge. But why? I'm right. Like, when am I getting your challenge? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, if you exactly. ask me, that's any solution. Like whoever the replay center guy is, just have a have a headset that you have on as a referee, and they tell you right away, hey, Paulo stepped out of bounds. That's it. Let's keep the game going. It shouldn't be. Let me go to the monitor. Like it takes way too long. So but I, I think that, and correct me if I'm wrong, the mm-hmm. referees on hand, they're the only ones that are able to make the decisions at the game. They utilize, you know, the the center as more of a, a reference point for them to be able to make their decision. But I, I do feel like there should be a, a a head of referee, whoever that overwatches a game and their say is the final say, you know, if, if they do have to kind of escalate it next up, that, that'd be a good, that'd be a good, um, you know, option in my opinion yeah. to kind of, to kind of help speed along. That's not, that's not a bad, it's not a bad idea. Al, you should send that up, bubble it See, up. That would save you at least 10 minutes a game. So if you're talking about two and a half hours, we're not down to two, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, and like I said, cut half time to maybe 12 minutes, make it like another quarter instead of uh 15 minutes. That's three more minutes for you. But don't mess around with the game. Don't mess around with, with the history behind it. Um, I know baseball's making some changes, but I don't think what they're doing is impacting the record books as much as the NBA would do if they do something like this. It's never going to happen, but if you, they consider it, no, you, you're messing around with record books and stats. I, I don't like it one bit. Yeah, neither do I. Leave the game as is. If you can make adjustments, small minor adjustments, taking away you know, free throw shooting and just handing out points, that to me is is... It's too much, man. Leave it alone. Um, Paolo Bancaro. Paolo Bancaro and a couple other rookies will serve as the NBA's finals media correspondent throughout the finals. So from what it looks like, we're going to be able to follow Paolo 
and follow these guys around during the the NBA finals and you're able to kind of watch an NBA app and NBA, you know, socials. Paulo Bancaro was also in a Gran Turismo commercial. I guess there's a movie that's coming out. Um, just recently, we talked about in the last episode, Paulo Bancaro also, you know, in the cover of Slam and and he's getting a lot of recognition, I feel, in the offseason where we're starting to see you know, him get a little more of that, uh, that shine, that stardom feel where he's on the commercial with, you know, Bobin and, and excuse me, Boban and, um, you know, Zach Levine and, and kind of going off track a little bit. Boban, it has so many damn commercials. It is, it is insane. He has to be by far like the most, uh, commercial NBA player out there that really shouldn't have his own commercial. But, He's a character, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it is. I will say his Steve Farm commercial, where you know it's it's really just three kids pretending to be Bowman. I I think that's 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 spot on. That's that's a really good commercial. But other than that, I, I think they need to chill out a little bit. Yeah, I think what the NBA is doing, man, they're like Paolo, get some love before Wemby comes in because once <laughs> Wemby comes take, in, take advantage. That's it. But no, on a serious note, I think that man, it's good to see. It's good to see the magic logo on TV during the finals. You know, Paolo getting him a lot of love, Slam Magazine, commercial, now getting NBA final coverage. Like, I think that again, we need it as a team. We need we need that as much attention as we can get. We need it. Um, right before this massive offseason for us. So you love to see it. It's simple and sweet. It's just we love to see the fact that we're getting some attention from the national media. I do hope that translates to national media games next year. And not just again, like, oh, get some love in the offseason when nobody really cares about the magic. We want to see it next season when we actually are going to be playing for the playoffs, hopefully. Yeah, you would think that better record, uh, adding two additional picks, potentially uh, Paulo Bancaro, his stardom is growing, that we'll, we'll at least upgrade from our number of national games from last year from zero to at least something. Um, I was having a conversation with uh, with a friend of mine that he just so happens to be French and he just so happens to be a Spurs fan. Almost perfect outcome, right? Victor Wembanyama landing to the Spurs, crazy. Um, he's projecting at least six national televised games, oh. like minimum six. I'm like, there's there's no way that they don't give this man at least ten, and I feel like that's that's a lot. But there's no way that you don't they. I feel like the NBA, I, I would love to see if there's if there's anyone that tracked this down, but I want to say the NBA played at least seven or eight of his games last year from a different league on at least like NBA TV or on the app. Like they're already broadcasting this kid. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm going to pull a Drake here. If I was a betting man, I would bet the over on the under 10 games for sure. I think that you would probably see the Spurs 12 to 15 times on national TV. Think of all the times he'll play the Warriors. That's why. At least twice. They'll put him on, on ESPN when he plays the Lakers. For sure, he's going to get on TV. When he plays 100%. maybe OKC one time against Chet, we'll see that. So against the Magic, I, I hope we get at least one to see the two you know, former first-round pick and the new first-round pick. At least once we see that. So for sure, more than 10 in my opinion. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I there, There's no way that they don't. They're already doing it. So... Oh, yeah. I guess from that aspect, it makes sense. Still, unfortunately, I'm not a fan of that move. We need to talk to somebody about it. Um, they did announce that the Magic training camp will start on October 3rd, so we got a date on that. Um, they already announced uh, the preseason schedule. October 10th will be our first preseason game against New Orleans. We'll see Cleveland, then New Orleans again, and then we're going to have a match against you know a Brazilian team, which we haven't done in, in a few years, so... 
that's going to be interesting. It'll be against the the same team that we played against previously, the Flamengo. So um, that will be here at the Amway. Exciting, man. And at least we have some dates to look forward to. So I know for us, Media Day is huge. I know we got, I'm guessing it'll be that Monday, October 2nd, Media Day, usually the day before training camp. So we got some dates to look forward to it, to keep counting down. So because I do know that once the draft is over, once free agency in the summer league is over, it's like, all right, now what? Now we got to wait three months. Now we know the countdown, what's going to be. Um, what's exciting is I'm really surprised that they released it this early. Usually they release it in August. Uh, kind of weird that it's only June and we have the schedule already for preseason at least. Um, but we are expecting some big announcements with jerseys, right? We have our anniversary edition jersey coming out this year, 35th um, anniversary for the Magic. The city edition should be sick this year based on what we are hearing. So it's going to be fun between that end of summer league to then September, getting all those news and updates on the new jerseys. Um, so that'll keep us entertained a little bit. But good to at least know that October 10th is what we're looking for to see our, our guys actually compete against uh, other NBA teams. That's going to be fun. Yeah. And then the last thing to kind of add on our um you know, updating of, of our agenda is uh, it was announced today by Kobe price of the Orlando Sentinel that he will no longer be covering Orlando magic basketball, which I'll be honest with you, man. It's a little, it's a little sad, man, because Kobe price has done an amazing, amazing job right after Josh Robbins had left the Orlando Sentinel and went to the athletic, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal just because we still had that Orlando Magic coverage. Roy Perry came right after him. He did a really good job as well. And then Josh Robbins decided to leave, and then they left an even bigger hole, and Kobe Price really just kind of picked up where Roy Perry left off and provided some really, really great coverage. Now he's gone. Now there's not a coverage on, on The Athletic. Now it kind of leaves a, a bigger void than before because we felt like Kobe Price – you know, he added a lot of things that we didn't get before from a video standpoint. I think one of his first things that, you know, he did that people really loved was some of the videos that he was posting on uh, about Markel and Jonathan Isaac. And he asked a lot of the tough questions. So there's going to be a really big void in the magic in the magic community in terms of of coverage, um, you know, from the level that he was able to bring. And, you know, as much as we we look forward to his continued success, because normally when you leave the Orlando Sentinel, you know, it's always for something that's that's a little bit better, a little bit bigger. So for whatever reason that he's leaving that we obviously don't know yet, um, man, I, I, I hope that, you know, he continues to grow and, and kind of do his thing because he's he's awesome. And he was a big part of the community in the limited time span that, you know, he was here. Yeah, man, super talented kid. I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, again, thank you for, for joining the pod last year when he first joined the the Magic. Um, he joined us and we, we got to know him a little better. Got to see him at media day a couple of times. Uh, and of course, during game coverage as well. But great kid. Uh, did an amazing job. I, I called him a, a writer of the people. Like he would literally ask us like, hey, what do you guys want me to ask? Or what to find out more about? He would go and ask those questions during uh, post-game matches or pre-game pre uh, game conferences. So again, a man of the people will miss him. Um, I wonder what this means for the Orlando Sentinel now. Like what are they going to do? Who are they going to hire? They have to have somebody quick because we have the draft coming up, then free agency. You got to have somebody there ready to to cover all that. Um, what I'm hoping for, it's just me just wishful thinking here, is that the Athletic finally decided, hey, we want to hire a beat writer for the Magic. And maybe Kobe just said, hey, let me take that job instead. I don't know. Let's see what happens. Um, but that will be sick because we we do need not only Orlando Sentinel cover the Magic, but also the Athletic hopefully giving us some coverage. Um, 
as much as we can get for the Orlando Magic, the better it is for us. So nothing but the best for him. We'll be we'll be rooting for him, but hopefully he'll be covering the Magic to some degree. But it didn't seem that way though, because another thing back to it on the tweet that he sent out, he basically thanked the city of Orlando and everything already. So it does not seem like he'll stick around, unfortunately. Yeah, it doesn't. And um, his last day covering the Orlando Magic will that will actually be on draft day. So at least we'll have one last little bit, one last hurrah of him covering the NBA draft. All right, so now let's get to the NBA draft. Now that we got the important stuff out of the way, um, we received some news from uh, Jonathan Giveney of, and excuse me, and Jeremy Wu, who said there's been some chatter that the Magic might not keep both of their picks. They should certainly have options if they choose to try to move around. My question to you is, would this be the right move? Or are they just better keeping it as is and drafting two rookies? We we understand that adding another 18, 19-year-old kid to this roster would make this team so much more younger. But is that the right move? Is is consolidating these picks a good option for the Magic? So I can see both sides. I think I saw your reply on Twitter to this, and basically you said you kind of hope the Magic don't do this, right? Because you kind of want them to to build around Paolo and, and Franz and do it through the draft. Like, address needs that you have in the draft if you can. Cheap contracts, young players you can develop. Great, really, way of doing it. But to your point also, they are really, really young. And if you go back to our podcast episodes throughout the season, we kept saying, yeah, we're going to have two lottery picks more than likely, but are we actually going to use it? We kept saying that throughout the year because we kept saying to ourselves, this team is really, really young. Are they really going to add two more rookies when ideally they're trying to win already next season or compete to some degree for a playoffs uh, position? If you ask me, I-, I can see it both ways, but ideally, in a perfect world, if you are the Magic, you have a chance to trade up to number two or number three, number four for that matter, and there's a guy out there that you really, really, really like, and you can make it happen by packaging these picks, I'm okay with that because that means that you really want this guy, you really think he's going to fit well with Paolo, France, and the rest of the core, make that move. The other option would be, hey, there's a, free, uh, a vet out there that wants to come to Orlando, and he will take us consolidating these picks to make it happen. If that is the case, that could mean good news for us as well. It means that a vet wants to come to Orlando to help this, this team win automatically next season. So I can see why there's rumors around this, I don't know if this is coming from the Orlando Magic directly. We know they don't leak anything, so it could just be assumptions. I would be for it as long as it makes sense, as long as it fits the timeline, it fits the young guys that we have on the roster already. But at the same time, I'm kind of really excited to add two young guys. So I'm really 50-50 on, on this one just because I could see it either way. I, I'm torn. Well, what about you? Pretty much what my... My outlook on this is I think it would be an absolute mistake by the Orlando Magic if we did consolidate the picks. This is why. Obviously, after this draft where we drafted Paula Bancaro with the number one pick, we had Franz prior to that, Jalen Suggs. I think it's safe to say that Pablo and Franz is your main two core centerpieces, right? Where mm-hmm. you know that this is this is your future. I think the two of them allow for us to be able to play a level of basketball where we look at and say, Okay, that's our identity. 
couple of six foot ten dual forwards that can kind of do a little bit of everything, right? I think that this is the first draft where we can finally say, okay, these are our our, our main guys. These are what we're going to rock with for the future. The Magic have a crazy opportunity right now to be able to draft players that fit them the best. Now, you're probably saying the Magic are in no position to be able to draft, not draft best player available. My argument to that is that drafting 6 to 11, we you already know that this is a, a, a two, three-man draft. We know who's going in the top three. We know it's Victor. We know it's School. We know it's Brandon Miller. We know it's those guys. After those three, we're we're kind of okay. The Thompson twins. We got you know we so we we know that Amon's going to definitely be up there. I I feel I feel pretty com- confident that you know he's going to be the fourth pick. But that fifth pick, it can be anybody. It can be Cam Whitmore. It can be Tyler Hendricks. It can be a list of X amount of players, right? So if that's the case and the, the level of talent is more or less similar that you're going to be able to find your best player available and your best fit. So why not get those type of players drafted along with the same timeline as Franz Wagner and, and Paolo Bancaro? And that's really my debate is that you know, you're, you've drafted Chuma, you drafted Cole, you drafted Suggs, you drafted all these guys, and I love them to death. Those are my guys. Those are my players. But you didn't draft them for Paolo. You drafted Paolo because you felt that he was the best player available. You didn't draft Paolo because you think he fits well with Cole Anthony. True. So why, why would you give up the opportunity now to be able to draft two rookies, same time frame, very inexpensive contract, obviously, and have them play alongside Franz and Paolo for the future. Like, let's not. And here's the thing: I feel like we we're so we're so close of making it into the the playoffs, right? Where we feel like this is the season, this is it. You know, we we should have did it this past season if it wasn't for injuries and a list of other factors. And this is this is it. People are are trying to. Fast forward this team, in my opinion, way too fast, way too much. And it scares me. I have PTSD from, you know, Victor Oladipo and Serge Ibaka. Like, obviously, we know it's not going to be at that level because we have a, a competent, you know, front office that, you know, they don't they don't make stupid moves like that. But at the same time, it's like, how how do we give up that that opportunity? So that's that's really my debate is I think it would be a mistake if we trade the two, you know, unless something crazy comes on our on our on our desk that we we can't refuse. I I just don't I just don't see how. Now, the flip side of that is the Magic have a lot of things to be able to trade that don't impact the physical team. We have the sixth, we have the eleventh, and we then we still have, you know, the Denver Nuggets twenty twenty fifth pick. So, um, uh, man, a lot a lot of options, man. It's just I'm not I'm not totally convinced that there's something out there that would benefit the team more. Uh, realistically than you know just drafting six and eleven. Yeah, I'll follow up the, that with I've heard or seen on Twitter people saying that the Magic may just trade the eleventh pick to kind of just down the future. Like give me give me a future pick for that pick. And I'm like, that would be a mistake. That's, that but that, that sounds that sounds like the most Orlando magic thing to do. If that's what you I mean you you I, I would that wouldn't make any sense to me just because you have a position to your point where you can draft a talented player I get it. Another young guy. I get it. But 
you're now building around your two guys that you've, you've identified as a core player of your team. So it, that wouldn't make sense to me. If it is a trade to move up or to some way somehow improve our team to add a shooter, that's a vet, whatever it may be, that's why you move that pick. Completely understand at that point. But if you just bunting that that pick down the road and saying, hey, we just don't want it now, we want it later maybe, I would be upset on draft night. That's what they decided to do. If you do that with a second round pick that we have, I'll completely understand. I have a 5% chance that the Magic actually used that pick, the second round pick this year. I have no That's intention high. of them using it. But the 11th, you cannot just trade that pick for a future pick. I, I don't care what you tell me. Um, so the only way I'll be okay with them doing some sort of trading in the draft is if, again, you're moving up or you're trading that pick for something or someone that's going to help you win next season. Not necessarily a star, but just a vet that fits, a vet that's going to come in and uh, hopefully add shooting. Um, I don't know, man. I I'm torn, but I really think that they got to think about it really well. And that's, I think, the biggest debate they're having as a front office right now. It's like, hey, how quickly do we want to speed this up? Like, do we want to keep going the draft way? Or are we now in a place where we can actually say, forget a young guy, let's bring a guy that can help us win now. Are they there yet? I'm not quite sure. I think, to your point, they're not ready to hit fast forward just yet. They know they have talent. They know they're young. I could see them kind of saying, let's go one more year of kind of building and re just seeing what we have and developing while at the same time winning because we saw plenty of winning last year once we were healthy. So it's going to be fun. That's what makes it so interesting because this offseason could go a million different ways depending what the front office is thinking. Another year of, of watching and developing. You know the people aren't going to like that, Al. Those are like not death. That's that's a, that's similar to a death threat. I think that it wouldn't be developing, right? It would be more like, hey, who fits, who doesn't, and we'll, we'll move on from those guys eventually. But I'm just saying, like, not hitting fast forward. I know we all want the big trade to happen. We all want the big name to come in through the agency. Are they there yet? That, that's a question that I'm not quite sure. Are they there yet? If they are, I could definitely see them trading the pick or the picks for something better. But if they're not quite there yet, they're saying, hey, we want to continue to build this thing from the ground up. We may have to just see what Markel can do next year. Hopefully, healthy all season. Hopefully, JI healthy next. So we'll see. But health will be important. It just John Hammond talk about this. Like they're debating that right now. Like where are we as a team? Where do we want to be? That will determine how they attack the offseason. So we got to wait and see what that will play out. Yeah, and I and I think for me. Like, all right, we, we didn't get a top five pick. We didn't get a top three pick. We didn't get the number one pick. But I feel like a haul of what we can get for the sixth and the 11th pick, to me, in my opinion, would feel just as equal in value as drafting some of these players at, at three, three, four, and five. Um, and, and just kind of taking a look at the different mock drafts that we have out there from some of the different national media outlets. You know, the Ringer has the Orlando Magic selecting Asar Thompson at six, Gritty Dick at 11. ESPN, Asar Thompson at six, Gritty Dick at 11. NBA Draft.net, uh, Jairus Walker and Gritty Dick. NBC Sports, Asar Thompson, Gritty Dick. Sports Illustrated, Asar Thompson, Gritty Dick. So the, the common denominator is Grady Dick number 11 to the Magic. Now, in my opinion, I don't think Grady Dick will be available on the board at 11. Um, so. But if you're able to get Grady Dick at 11, that's a solid draft pick at 11 that you're adding to the Orlando Magic. 
And if you're able to get those two level of players, man, that to me, that's an A plus draft. Like that is knocking it out of the park. Like that is addressing needs of shooting, you know, to the team. You have high upside from a two way player in hopes of an Asara Thompson, who some people are saying that, you know, he's he's raising his his level of competition that he may surpass Amen. I think the ringer even um you know in some conversations I've read and and heard that they're they're swapping the Thompson twins in terms of you know talent and and you know uh, ceiling. So yep. I don't I don't I don't I don't I don't know man. It's it's I really I really hope that the magic do stand put because it, Grady Dick is a player that I've been talking about since January. And I think that if you're able to add his level of shooting, his level of athleticism with the 11th pick, um, that's, that's just, that's, that's bonus. That's, that's why you traded, you know, it's, it's Wendell Carter, Franz Wagner, and that 11th pick may, it, it continues to make, you know, that deal that we did with the Bulls sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. So, um, I don't know, man, we'll, we'll see. What do you think about, you know, the, the mock drafts that we've seen from the national outlets? I mean, it's funny. I think seeing, you know, Oscar Thompson and Greedy Dig just being pretty much common across the board reminds me of last year with us saying, oh, yeah, Jabari's the guy across the board on all the mock drafts. That's not quite what happened, as we now know. So, again, we know the Magic Front Office does not leak anything, so this means nothing. So it's just guys thinking best potential prospect at number six and a shooter at 11. Cool. Assuming Grady gets to number 11. I don't think he will, if you ask me. That's why last week we spent quite a bit of time in the episode talking about do we go and get him at six if he is our guy, he fits all of our our, our buckets. Um, I don't know. I, I saw Thompson and the, the Thompson twins. I'm not sold on them just yet. Um, I would be okay if you draft one of them with Grady Dick. But if you draft one of them and some random dude at 11, I don't know how it would feel because that means that one of them is kind of like the, the highlight of the draft for us. And I don't know how great they will fit with our team and be uh, prepared to to help us right away next season. I feel like Grady Dick is that guy that can come in right away. He's a shooter. He can put the ball in the hoop. He can help us right away next season. Thompson brothers, I feel like they're a year or two away from really being impactful players that can help the Magic uh, win games. So we'll see. I would prefer maybe, um, I don't know, another prospect at six in this mock draft if Dick is there at 11. But we'll see what happens. Um I don't know. What about you? Do you see, will you be okay if that was the outcome? I, I would be super okay. I, I think that's, that's dream scenario. If, if you were to swap out, you know, a SAR with, you know, a Cam Whitmore, a Taylor Hendricks, mm -hmm. like that, that to me, that would be just as exciting. I would take any combination of, of those four. Um, I will say that we saw uh, some of the talks that we've seen online today was Bleacher Report coming in. And I think that you had posted about it earlier on, on social media. Bleacher Report um, stating that their mock draft had the Orlando Magic selecting Anthony Black at six. Um, and and one of the things that I will mention is that the Magic, they, they you know, they they march at the beat of their own drum. And no, no mock draft from whatever sports media outlet is going to force them to draft X amount of players. Like, they are going to select the guy that they feel most comfortable with um, the guy that, you know, checks all the, the boxes from a, uh, an analytical standpoint, 
um, who they fall in love with in terms of, you know, character wise, and they're going to pick their guy, you know, them selecting Franz Wagner was, was left field. Nobody saw that coming. Right. So they're going to, they're going to select who they feel is the best fit. And at the end of the day, one, we can't do anything about it Two, I think that they've earned a little, a little, some stripes, right? I think they've earned the benefit of the doubt. I think they've done a great job collectively. Not every draft pick that they've done has been successful. Shout out to you, Mo Bamba. But <laughs> they have done an amazing job collectively um, in regards to their draft pick. So there, there has to be, they've earned some level of trust. Now the question is, <clears throat> let's say that Grady Dick does get selected before 11. The hell do the Magic do at 11 at that point, right? There are options out there. Jay Howard, Keontae George, Jordan Hawkins, Derek Lively, Kobe Bufkin. Like, there's there's options out there. But who is it that you have your eye on? If Grady Dick is off the board, I think we've well established across the board from the fan base that Grady Dick is a player that people want. But reality is the primary reason why people are so drawn to to Grady Dick, and it's not just because of his last name. It's it's, it's because <laughs> of his shooting ability. It's the fact that he addresses a need. It's the fact that the Magic have been absolutely horrendous from the three-point line for years. For years. 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 And we have an opportunity to be able to address those things. Um, but who are you looking at 11 if Grady Dick is off the board? So assuming the grid is done and pick be before the 11th, I would say for me personally, Jordan Hawkins is a guy that I have my eyes set on. He's a guy that plays really, really well off the ball. Think of a, a younger version of now Rip Hamilton, if you guys remember watching him and how he played for the Pistons, but with a three-point shot. Um, that's kind of how he plays. He is a little raw, but I think the shooting ability makes him a good prospect at number 11, if you ask me. I would also be okay with maybe Jet Howard or Keontae George, depending, again, if the front office likes them enough and they see enough of them in, in the workouts. I would be okay with that as well. So ideally, you're getting a guard. And ideally, a guy that can put the ball in the hoop. That's basically what I'm looking at at 11. If I were to go completely against that, uh, just based on some videos that I saw of him, Derek Lively kind of caught my attention. He's a dude that is tall, lanky, can block shots, athletic and if you think about a perfect backup for Wendell Carter which is our second biggest need that we have I think that that would be a, a good position for him to go with the magic um in that scenario I would love to see us draft Dick at six lively at 11 so you reach for Dick because you need shooting you need offense lively can come in and be that that rim protector that that backup big to Wendell that may be a solid draft as well um those are my guys. That's kind of what I'm what I'm leaning towards right now. So any of those four, so Howard, George, Hawkins, or Lively are kind of names that I'm like, I'm okay with them at that point. Uh, what about you? Do any of those guys kind of stand out more than the others? Yeah, it's it's Jordan Hawkins. Um, yeah. Uh, again, it's it's the simple reason. Well, let's not complicate this. It's it's simple. We're bad at shooting. We need shooting. You draft a shooter. Simple as that. Don't complicate it. Uh, Jordan Hawkins is a player that um averaged 38 he uh, his three-point percentage is 38.8 off of almost seven and a half attempts per game like this is somebody that can shoot lights out he's a sniper and there was a video of him that we saw on social media a little while back of him just being chaotic on the court just 
off-ball, you utilizing off-ball screening, going back and forth, reminds you a little bit of some Steph Curry-esque in his game where he's just trying to find a way to, to get open, and he is a catch-and-shoot threat. He is someone that can literally light it up on any part of the floor, and he's someone that doesn't need the ball in their hands. He's not the best dribbler or ball handler, um, so he's not someone that's going to demand to have – the ball as your primary option. So he will, in my opinion, will work amazing next to Paolo in front. He would compliment. He would open up the floor so much for them, space everything out. Um, and he's not a freshman, man. He's, he's coming in as, as, you know, a sophomore from UConn. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things to like from Jordan Hawkins um, that I think that he's able to bring a lot of value, man, that these are certain things that, that could translate into the, the NBA. It's, it's shooting the basketball. Let's not let's not complicate it. We're bad at shooting. We need shooting. You draft shooting. Simple as that. Nice and easy. I mean, so let me ask you this. If, say, the Magic were to reach for Greedy Dick at six and they have the 11th pick, would you draft another shooter or would you change your approach in that scenario? <laughs> if the Magic surprised me, because here's the thing. The Magic never do what I did. The Magic have only done what I've wanted them to do once, and that was drafting Paolo Bancaro. Yeah, which super clutch of them. Great job. <laughs> High five. Um, but they've never done what I've wanted them to do. Um, quite frankly, they've been more right than I've been. <laughs> than I've been <laughs> right. I'm not going to sit here and bore you with all my really bad options of what I wanted the magic to do. Um, but um, I, I don't I don't know if I would if I would go shooting guard, shooting guard back to back. I don't know if I would, to be honest. Um, yeah. But at, but let's be let's be honest. When we take a look at you know our our roster, our lineup, you know the shooting guard position is is the one that you kind of feel like you're not a hundred percent there yet of who your main guy is, right? Gary Harris is still a question mark in in some regards, um, in terms of long term. Jalen Suggs is someone that you feel can definitely fit into that position. But shooting is is always been the question. Can he shoot it consistently? Can we rely on him? You know, defensively, we know that he's a stud. But the issue is the shooting. There's there's really and we're we're hoping that Markel folds his, you know, the stroke that he had at, at the end of last season can carry over. We hope that Paolo Bancaro can, you know, spend some time in improving those regards. Franz Wagner, the the same thing. Uh, we we hope that Jalen, like in a perfect world. Whoever we draft is coming off the bench in a perfect world because that means our guys now have developed and they've gotten better and it's a better fit, mm-hmm. right? But if not, you know that's that's the area that you're looking at, saying, "Hey, we we can we can kind of fit, you know, whoever we draft in that position and develop that way." I'll tell you what: if the Magic do reach for Dick, a guy that I would keep my eye on is uh, Jet Howard out of Michigan, of course, simply because the height six eight can score <laughs> that, well. Is that the only reason? Simply because of the height. Uh, and I the think Michigan. that if, you're, if you play for if you play for Michigan, like there's just exactly it's there's just something about you that the Magic really like. Yeah, so he's a score six eight. I was looking at at um some player comps here, and some people have him as a potential Bradley Beal. I'm like, wait, what? How is he not top ten in that scenario? But I guess he has some scoring abilities. He has some some good potential uh, to be a guy that can score at the NBA level at six eight. He's a guy that can play the three. I, I think that they may that may be a good fit if the Magic were to reach again and get Dick at number six. 
we'll have to wait and see. But um, other than that, man, it's going to be exciting no matter what happens. I think that's the best part of all this. We have no idea what's happening, just like last year in a way, because we kept hearing Jabari, but then we really didn't know. Uh, this year, we got two picks that we got to kind of just prepare for. And hey, there might be some trading as well during draft day. So it's going to be a fun, fun uh, day for all of us. I mean, we, we just, we're just talking and speculating here. But we have no idea what's going to happen. And not even any targets that we do know for a fact that Magic like. We're just going to know that we have some needs that hopefully they'll address. Yeah, another person to look at is also Kobe Bufkin, who's also a Wolverine. This is somebody that um, would also fit in that mode of that shooting guard position. Shot 35 and a half from the three-point line off a of 3.7 attempt. So not not the same level of clip as as Jordan Hawkins or um, you know, Grady Dick, but he's still a player that, you know, is is a pull-up threat. Um, even the ringer has him listed as a player that's trending up in the mocks. Um, and who has all-star potential. They list him as a player having shades of Tyrese Maxey and Emmanuel quickly fused together. So this is another player that, you know, I can see the the Magic like their Michigan guys. I think this would be absolutely overkill. You might as well just change the team name to the Michigan Magic, but <laughs> this is this is someone that you can definitely look at and say, okay, this this might fit what the Magic are are looking at. You know, this is somebody that, you know, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Magic went after. I would be surprised, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be upset at all. Yeah, my only thing with him is uh, what, how, how tall is he? Six two, six three. He's six foot four. Oh wow! Okay, so he's taller than I expected. So six he, foot he four, would be more six, wingspan, <clears throat> and he is another sophomore. So he's he's about to be twenty. So he is another guy like like Jalen Suggs type, shooting guard, but really more of a point guard body. Just kind of concerns me a bit with having Markel. Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, with that same kind of build, that, that like um, really more of a point guard type of, type of play style with this team that we have. But again, if the Magic front office were to say he is a good fit, we're going to make this work, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, that's that's the amazing thing about this draft. What, what's, what's awesome, what I love the most about this draft is the fact that our biggest glare and need is, you know, the that shooting guard position. And there is a ton of shooting cards in this draft. It's, it's guard heavy. So you you get to decide. You find out what's best available for you, you know, at you know the sixth position. Because outside of you know, you you got Victor center, you got Brandon Miller, he's he's a big wing, you got Scoo Henderson, who's your point guard, you got the Thompson twins. You're, you're right there at at six, you know the your 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 Thompson twins are six foot seven, so they're they're big wings as well. So you're really gonna get you know an opportunity to be able to draft, you know potentially one of the best shooting guards in this draft class. So we'll see, man. Great options. Um, you know the the great thing about these mock drafts is that you know there there's so much intel's from you know what everyone is saying, what they're reading. Um, and these mock drafts, they they change just based on what they're hearing from teams and how the workouts are going, and you know the interviews. Like uh, you know Brandon Miller, there was talks about his interviews being absolutely terrible, and he's out of shape, so he's falling a little bit. And this is someone that you know for a moment we thought that he was solidifying that that second that second pick ahead uh, of school, and that that may not be the case anymore. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I mean, there might be some some names that we are not expecting to see at six available. 
um, like you said earlier, we were hearing that Asar Thompson maybe maybe actually higher in some mock drafts now than his brother, just because the shooting motion looks a little bit cleaner. Um, so again, we may have some surprises and we may have some names that we don't expect to see at number six or number 11 for that matter. Um, it's going to be exciting, man. We're, we're what, exactly three weeks away from today, uh, from being in the draft. So it's getting closer. We have some more prep to do here as we get closer, but uh, it's going to be fun to kind of hear the rumors. One of them is, I think, Joe Howard's coming to Orlando tomorrow, Saturday, to, to work out for the Magic. So if the trend continues, that could mean bad things for him because whenever they come to Orlando and they make it available to the media, <laughs> they never get drafted by the Magic. So it yeah. may not mean much at the end of the day. Yep. NBA draft June 22nd, start a free agency on June 30th. You know, as as quick and as long as these three weeks may be, um, once it gets here, it's it's nonstop from there because then we transition to summer league and then training camp and then it, it just kind of keeps rolling. So a lot of things to be excited for. Uh, 6 and 11, that's all that we've been able to talk about. What are the Magic going to do is the number one question and we'll be finding out soon. Um, on that note, it's a wrap. I appreciate everyone for, for listening and kicking in with us. We'll catch you guys next week. For all the latest magic news and updates, visit OrlandoMagicHQ.com and follow us on Instagram at OrlandoMagicHQ and on Twitter at OMagicHQ. Also, remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe and leave a five-star review on your favorite listening platform.